Hello, friends. Welcome back to Modern Wisdom. Today, my guest is Tim Briggs from Warrior Programming and We Dominate Nutrition. Tim has featured on the podcast a number of times previously, but today we are allowing him to sink his teeth into his domain of competence, which is sports nutrition. I don't really have a very good understanding of how to eat to improve my performance in sport. I know that I need to fuel myself and not undereat. I know that I need to try and eat things that are nutrient dense, but that's probably about the beginning and end of my understanding. And I figured I have this resource, which is Tim, who has a ridiculous knowledge of how nutrition affects performance for endurance athletes, strength athletes, crossfitters, and pretty much everyone else. So yeah, today expect to learn how and when you should be eating in terms of nutrient profile, what particular kinds of foods, what types of foods, Tim's favorite hacks for pre, during and post workout and competition. Today really is jam-packed. If you have a friend who you know would benefit from this, please give it a share. You know that I am very thankful when you do. And if you have any questions or comments at We Dominate Nutrition on all social media and at Chris Willex as well. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, Everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've worn Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastic fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free, pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap, plus you get your first month for free, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modern wisdom. Now, please welcome Tim Briggs. I'm joined by Tim Briggs from Worry Programming and We Dominate Nutrition. Welcome. Thank you. You may remember Tim from such episodes as Why Does Fitness Hurt So Much? 
and yep. can you teach mental toughness? Yep. Um, they what were a massive hit. And very huge. opinionated. Incredibly opinionated. <laughs> Driven by opinion. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and exactly will to me today. We, we, well. It's just the same. It's just a replicant. So today we're going to be talking about how to eat for performance. Yes. Um, particularly for me, I'm, I'm interested in this. I know mm-hmm. how to eat to get lean, but yep. if you were to say you've got a powerlifting meet next weekend, then you've got an endurance event the weekend after, and then you've got a CrossFit competition the weekend yep. after that, what would you eat and why? I I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't know the first place to start. First up, the athlete will be outrageous. <laughs> if they can do all of those <laughs> If they can things. do all of those, if they can do a powerlifting meet. And did you say like a, uh, what was the last one as well? The, the CrossFit event and then a like a, endure, like a, a marathon or something. And a marathon. <laughs> Probably not going to need to be Jordan Wallace, don't you? Yeah, it'd be Jordan Wallace. <laughs> Jordan Wallace can do all those things. Yeah. The parallel bit. Uh, no, I yeah. joke. I we'll joke. see. Got my parallel. Um, <laughs> so... We're going to talk about that. Um, uh, uh, is there a, a basis to start from in understanding um, yeah. sports nutrition? Yeah, so the way we approach nutrition, we look at health first. So we look at the micros as well as the overall energy balance. And that's where we start every athlete that does, we dominate nutrition. So we look at all deficiencies. We look how we can kind of manipulate the micronutrients as well as the macronutrients. The micros are the vitamins and minerals. Uh, if you have deficiencies on those, your energy is going to be affected. You're going to be quite lethargic. Your recovery is going to be down. And that can all be uh, targeted through food. So we can look at eating a variety of veggies, eating the whole spectrum of colors of fruit and veg, maybe supplement with a green shake, maybe even a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we kind of start things. Because we've got those deficiencies. We're going to be down long term when we do get to these competitions. Okay, so starting with the micro to me mm-hmm. seems quite contrary to what I would have heard in the past. Yes. Like, macros are all they are. That's yeah. like hashtag calorie fucking deficit, mate. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> oh, don't get me wrong, we do start with giving the overall energy to mm-hmm. try and uh, reach the metabolic baseline. That's what we kind of call the TDEE. It's a total daily energy expenditure. Yep. So we call it uh, the metabolic baseline where we just kind of take into account Daily activity, sport, uh, thermogenesis, things like that. Mm-hmm. So energy that you're going to burn and how much of. But with the TDE, it's a little bit skewed for CrossFit because it doesn't really take into account the intensity of it. It's more like if you sat on the bike for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and live fairly sedentary life. Mm. Whereas everybody that does CrossFit these days, they're probably... Stand up desks, probably got little pedals and standing up. <laughs> the full CrossFit life, they'll yeah. probably run to lunch and things like that. Yeah. Then I'll go to the CrossFit class, mm-hmm. they'll stretch, they'll form row, they'll probably sit on the bike 10, 15 minutes before the class. They'll jump in, they'll start to get warm again with the class. Then the heart rate's going to be up throughout. Mm-hmm. And with our kind of like uh, workouts are going to be high intensity. So we'll get our heart rate up to 90 percent of your heart rate over the three minutes say if it is fran mm-hmm. then your heart rate's going to be burning for a lot more than three minutes mm. and your energy is going to be through the roof if you consumed yeah whereas if you just sat on a bike it's just going to be a lot more steady away like that's the afterburn level. effect right? yeah the afterburn effect will probably last 30 40 50 minutes wow. depending on how, how hard you go yeah and how unfit uh, you are and how unfit you are cool so you're starting with the micro yes 
Cool. And uh, you said colours of veggies and yeah. spectrum of food and stuff yeah. like that. So how do you ensure that... I'm going to guess that we're talking at this stage about an athlete that's just in training, yes. probably, as opposed so, to prepping for a comp. So, yeah, it, everybody's kind of in a comp prep mode, regardless of where you are. That's how we kind of treat everybody. That um, Say you might have a comp coming in six, eight weeks. Mm. We look at your overall kind of food intake mm-hmm. and we'll kind of coach you through which veggies to eat, mm-hmm. um, which deficiencies you may have. And we're not firmly going to understand without any bloods taken yep. if you do have these massive deficiencies, but we're just going to try and overload on these as a result. What's the staple uh, foods that you go to to kind of get all of these things up? Or where do you notice deficiencies most commonly with your athletes? Just complete lack of greens, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds quite funny, but like... Um, we are, we, when my athletes check in, there's always like a food quality scale. Then there's how many portions of your micros have you eaten on a daily basis. And I always notice at the start, it's up maybe like one to two. Mm-hmm. And we try and prize a little bit more out of them and go for different colors and satisfy different <laughs> micro ranges. It sounds like you're trying to train a naughty dog. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, well, first we're going to get him to wee, like, on the mat, yeah. and then we're going to get him to wee in the garden, and then yeah. he can wee on the field outside. Oh, like, 100%. Wee on the field outside. I've been through that as well. Oh, you have actually, dog, yeah. 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 He still wees on the carpet. He does. Um, <laughs> he's a naughty Um So... If someone is thinking that sounds a lot like me, yeah, I am struggling to get greens into mm-hmm. my diet. That um, my hand goes in the air for that as well. Um, what are some bits of advice that you can give for how people can slot it into their cooking schedule and their eating schedule without it being too kind of uh, impacting on their normal routine too much? First up, I would go for a green shake in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's a few variations on how you can do this. You get greens powder anywhere you can kind of get it from. Or you can kind of make your own. Link will be in the show notes below to the Protein Works. They do a fantastic greens powder. And also if you use the code that is linked in the show notes below, you will be able to get 30% off everything on the site. Great prep. There we go. Yes, so you can use Protein Works greens. Yep. Hashtag add. Yep. um, Or we can make our own so we can throw some spinach, some beetroot, just tons of veggies in a shake, blitz it up. Might not be that tasty, but you'll knock a few portions of your micros out for the day. Mm-hmm. Then move on to your breakfast, have a handful of spinach with your breakfast. Mm-hmm. Then look at your prep meals throughout the day. Try and balance them out so it's like one third protein, one third of carbohydrate, one third of veggies. And if you have that balance throughout every meal, you're probably going to be there or thereabouts. Mm. So that's the the very kind of rough, low resolution. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think trying to micro um micromanage these meals with this amount of mm-hmm. this particular food and yep. things like that so you're literally just saying aim to split your meals up as mm-hmm. protein carbs yep. veg yep. as th- as each of the thirds yeah and then where are fats coming in fats will probably be with your meats yep. or they'll be a little bit with your food maybe a little bit after you can have a nut bar for instance this is just with kind of like a prepped meal yeah it's a little bit harder to get fats in there you can throw avocado in mm-hmm. for another range of I micros hate, i hate avocado it's, it's, it's all slimy it's split, and isn't it like a lot of people love it a lot of people hate it very marmite very marmite it's a fad as well you reckon it's a massive fad i only found out recently how expensive avocado is in australia do you know how expensive it is like crazy expensive. I don't like, really know conversion rates. Well, it's it's like I think over 
10 Aussie dollars, so about £10 for a Is single avocado. That's mad. It's just, apparently they're really hard to get hold of. I mean, Australia is in the middle of nowhere. But they also love avo toast. I don't know what that is. Pro- avocado on toast. Oh, right, okay. Sorry, I'm just down with the kids at the moment. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, Stop toast. combining words know, together into a new food type. Yeah, I'd have avocado toast today, I'm not going to lie. God. Um, so, we've looked at the micro. Yep. And then what about, you, you've said that the macro in terms of, I guess, the way that you're piecing together mm-hmm. those foods... But if you're doing a sport, and I'm going to presume the people that are listening will be doing some form of strength work. Yeah. You know, th- there will be the full spectrum from people that are doing powerlifting to people that are doing endurance work. Mm-hmm. But there, there must be some commonalities that yep. everybody needs to cover. It's 100%. And most people probably need the same things, which is carbohydrates. Okay. Um, more sports. So we talked about this, I think, in our first one we ever did, mm-hmm. where um, like an energy systems chart. So if you look at what sport you do and you piece it on the chart, there's very few where they're going to go for like Ironmans and it will use fatty acids towards the end. Mm-hmm. That's our finishing point. If we move through, it'll go a little bit more aerobic. Then it'll go glycolytic and then it'll go ATP and phosphocreatine. Okay. So and that's so we're, we're talking about length of workout yeah, this duration, is, essentially. This is duration okay. and intensity. Video Gardine, if you are watching on YouTube, I'm sure Video Gardine will be able to make a chart appear in front of Tim's face as he's talking about it. There you go. You can see the Here. spectrum. Just right there. Just right there. So when we look at that, we kind of piece your spot on there. CrossFit is in that glycolytic zone, so we'll be using carbohydrates as a main fuel source. If we go a little bit further down with the strongman powerlifting, it will be ATP and phosphocreatine, mm-hmm. which is creatine. So that is, will be your red meats, your creatine monohydrate, mm-hmm. which is fueled by underlying from carbohydrate. Right. So, and then as you move down, you're going into CrossFit. You, more carbohydrate again. Yep. If we go into endurance sport, it will be more carbohydrate, a little bit of fatty acid, fatty acid. Then if you've got a major, major, major endurance, mm-hmm. then it'll just be fatty acids with carbohydrate as well. So you're talking like so endurance. If, if you look at the whole spectrum, yep. carbohydrate. It's throughout. Yeah. So that's what you'll need to fuel your body with as an athlete is carbohydrate. So how are people getting away with doing ultras on like on it's you know, mad. ketosis like, diets and stuff like that? With looking at the literature, with a lot that's came out recently, there's a debate with it that going keto is probably not the best way to go to get yourself in a zone where your body goes I've got to eat myself to fuel your race yeah it's like mm, probably. probably not the best way to do this wait as someone who is an avatar for the layperson when mm-hmm. it comes to understanding sports nutrition yeah it doesn't sound like a good thing it's not great because carbohydrates have a lot of benefits for the liver for the muscle how for so? the brain how so just they provide energy. Yeah, they provide energy, provide energy for the, for the body. Yeah, the major fuel source for your muscles. So when you're trying to run for several hours without any carbohydrate, which is what ketogenesis means, is your body now doesn't rely on carbohydrate, mm-hmm. just fat and it's and the internal sources. Um, it's not probably not the best way to go about it. That's just from my opinion. Mm. Um, I'm sure there'll be those who say keto is the way to go. Or works for them. Or works for them. I mean, I, I'm yet to see any powerlifters or strongmen come out no, and say that they're doing it keto. No, it's 
definitely not the way to go. Like, even <laughs> when Hall's not going keto, is even he? when people go paleo, there's a massive paleo rush for CrossFit. Yeah, I remember. Um, paleo, can, you, can you briefly explain what paleo is? Paleo please? is basically um, what you'd eat if you're a caveman. So, okay, forgetting about the fact we've evolved quite a lot, we've now got supermarkets around the street. We can import foods. We can have a vast variety of foods. Um, so they think the best way to go is what would be readily available round here if there wasn't a supermarket. Okay, so it's trying to merge. basically, but then obviously you're going to go to the supermarket. You're going to get <laughs> to your, buy the yeah, stuff. That <laughs> you're going to get your stuff to be a paleo. So it's a simulacrum of yes. what we would have had during our the a broader period of our genetic history. The argument yes. is that. Recently, we are able to graze at uh, periods of frequency that are unnatural. We're able to have foods that have only become available recently and that in the past we wouldn't have had that. Therefore, there is some degree of credence that's lent to this older style of Mm -hmm. uh, ancestral uh, diet, nuts, berries. Um, I'm going to guess there'll be some intermittent fasting and stuff like that in there as well. It's not really with the guidelines, but I right, guess okay. the really hardcore people will. In, in IF as well, right? Yeah. Probably so, go a day, they'll probably have to go for a hunt or something. To Morrison. <laughs> gotta pick up a spear. <laughs> yeah. Gotta pick up a spear and go and ski with one of the checkout assistants yeah, yeah, exactly. in Asda. So, okay, so the, you'd, you'd mentioned about paleo, was, was one of the. Yes. So, paleo, it's. You can get carbohydrates from it. I think they love sweet potato on there, but often you don't get enough. You don't get enough to fuel your body, especially with CrossFit is so glycolytic. Mm. You are using your carbohydrates throughout the whole thing, whether you're lifting, whether you're in a Metcon, whatever you're doing, your carbohydrate is the main fuel source. Mm. So to go without carbohydrate and go actively the other way mm. is not the best strategy for performance. Okay. However, the people that do go paleo, even if they are, say, they're eating a baseline of, 2,000 cows, uh, paleo will be eating 2,000 cows. They'll get more from nuts, seeds, yeah. which isn't the fuel source you're going to use in the gym. Mm. You're going to come in, you're going to do some high-intensity training. You might do a five-minute arm wrap. You're probably not going to use fatty acids that much in a five-minute arm wrap. So can you explain, let's say that someone is thinking... Okay, so that sounds like me. I do uh, mm-hmm. some normal push-pull legs bodybuilding stuff, yep. or I do CrossFit, or I do, you know, I play football, which again is, you know, we're talking about that time domain, that kind mm-hmm. of like uh, one hour's work-ish time domain, maybe a little bit more. One hour work, but when you look at uh, football, yeah, it's it's interval training. Brief so intervals of sprinting. You're recovering, then you sprint, yep. then you're recovering, then you sprint. When you're sprinting, what are you doing? You're using carbohydrated fuel. Right. You're going glycolytic and you're spiking your heart rate. Okay. So, so, yet again, you'll need carbohydrate. And often with elite teams, they'll load carbohydrate before, they'll load carbohydrate in half time and load carbohydrate post. I've always wondered this. Are you able, like having intra workout mm-hmm. carbs, yeah. is your body able to absorb that with like sufficient speed for it to matter? Well, yes. Like how long does yes. it take to hit your stomach? It must be 20 minutes to hit your stomach, surely. But then again, if you're training for an hour, mm-hmm. that 20 minutes is fine. Yeah, okay. If you look at it that way. No, 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 yeah, I, I totally get it. I just... I See, always... We always recommend, I know we've gone off piece, but it'd be good to talk about it, um, timings of nutrition, okay, especially yeah. for, for spot performance. So we categorize it in several windows. You've got your pre, and that'll be 
maybe an hour or two. So we're, t- we're talking competition day or not workout. just competition. This okay. is just specific days, like when before you train. the activity. Yeah, this could be tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't know when this video is going out, but nineteen point three will be tomorrow. Yeah. And it will be what do you guess? Oh God! All oh, right on the spot. I think nineteen point three might be something like uh, snatches. Yep. Bar muscle ups. Cool. Um, and maybe some lunges. So like an Ooh, ascending ladder, up. an ascending ladder of snatches <clears throat> with bar muscle ups and lunges. So kind of similar to, was it what was the well, it was lunges with the dumbbell? Yes, lunges with the dumbbell. It was, was cleans it? and it was, was toes eighteen to bar. two. I think it was 18... No, was it 17 to 18 to... Anyway, something like that. What do you think it's going to be? You got any ideas? Um, I hope it is more upper body focused because my legs have been crushed mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. You came 14th in the UK, right? 15th. 15th, 15th. in the UK. Let's not give me too okay. much. 15th. But if you were to do placing versus height, I yes. bet you're number one. I don't know. Placing per inch of height, I bet that you're number one. Reps per inch of height. Definitely, Tim Briggs. And probably body weight as well. If you look at 80 kilos, 5 foot 8. Yeah. Nearly 10 rounds. Small calves though. Small calves. That's what you streamline calves. <laughs> Very streamlined calves. <laughs> streamlined. Okay, Quick and so someone, someone's woken up on the morning, they're going to train at midday. Yep. What, what are they doing? So we're going to look at this window that we're going to create. So it's going to be pre. That's going to be two, one, one hour to two hour pre your training mm-hmm. we're going to have a supply of carbohydrate these are going to be complex sources so with carbohydrate there's complex which are the slower release then the simple which is quick release okay that's sugars fruits uh so we'll have a blend of both so say for example we'll have some oats with a little bit of banana in. Mm-hmm. then we'll look at the next macronutrient which is going to be protein you're going to have probably 20 30 grams of protein regardless of height weight gender so on so that could be a scoop of protein in your oats. Let's go super simple here. Mm-hmm. We'll want a little bit of fat before we train just for energy, uh, just for general uh, caloric value leading into your training session. So let's go scoop of peanut butter. Yep. So in that, there'll probably be 400 cals. We've got a decent meal, which is going to fill us before we go. Then we're going to look at the immediate pre. So we want to load a little bit of sugars here. This is just a spiky glycogen. Are we talking half an hour before? This is immediately pre. So this is you as you as you're walking into this the is you walking into the gym. Just have a banana, right? Have 20 grams of sugar with a banana. Yeah. Then you're going to move on to your intro window. I say this is kind of optional. Yeah. Like especially for the members of WDN, you can do this. You can't do this. It does. You will see a decent exchange for this. Like you will see a difference in your energy. Okay. And that'll be a liquid carbohydrate, maltodextrin dextrose, whatever you want here, and a little bit of BCAAs mm-hmm. just to prevent muscle breakdown. And you're talking about just grazing on that or sipping that throughout the workout? I just sip that throughout your session, especially through your strength training. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't recommend doing it through your Metcon. Because you might Could you get up. a coach like me that would just shout at you for having a drink? Yeah, you are right. Even though you're saying like, but you told me you, to, you, yeah, you, you told me to in, have in this, what, Tim. On, on, my, on online, you told me I had yeah. to have an intro workout, but in the class, you're saying, pick the fucking bar up then. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in terms of volume, or in terms of amounts of carbohydrates. So we'll probably want about 30 grams of sugar here. Okay. 10 grams of BCAAs. Okay. During this intro workout period. Then we're going to move on to our post period. Yep. Yet again, there's going to be two sections. We're going to have our immediate post. A little bit of protein, just to assist recovery. Yeah. 
quite a substantial amount of liquid carbohydrates or sugars. Well, this is extra again. Yeah, again, like this is just for two reasons. This is for, this is for immunity. Mm-hmm. So if you notice um, with Olympians, when they run their like qualifying races, they can't blend with the crowd straight away. They need a little bit of sugar because their glycogen stores are depleted. So they'll have a bit of sugar, top the carbs up, then they'll go for the interview. Mm. You'll see that quite a lot with a lot of different sports. That's interesting. Because that's when you're susceptible to illness. And also, Immediately after you've just done a workout or yeah, you've just run a yeah. race. So, so if someone comes in coughs on me, yeah. just after I've finished what I've got yeah, license to punch them in the face. Exactly. Right. Like, what are you doing, yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll have a little bit of carbohydrate then. We'll also want to replenish our glycogen stores, our muscle glycogen stores. Okay. Say if you've done an hour and a half session, yep. you've had a lot of muscle breakdown, a lot of fatigue, that's when we'll want to replenish. Mm-hmm. Then... You'll have that with you. You'll sip it straight away. Mm-hmm. You'll go home, have your meal, try and limit your fats in the meal. We'll have why? a lot of complex carbohydrates. Why, why are we limiting our fats in the meal? Fat can just slow down the absorption of your carbohydrates. Okay. So, so you've got a pretty big window around pre, intra and post training. It's will stretch like four, maybe five hours. Yeah, yeah. you've got, you got a big big old window there where yeah. you're actually limiting your fats, right? So you're going to yes. have to... You're going to have to focus your fats into a smaller window yeah. that's further you, away you from the training. You can have your fats in the pre-one. You can have a couple of scoops of peanut butter or yep. 20, 20 grams of fat in general. Mm-hmm. But I always recommend having knocking out quite a lot of fats in the morning yep. and just sporadically pace these mm-hmm. three meals. Right. Try and use fattier meats in general, the more uh, nutrient-dense, like chicken thighs and so on. Okay, yeah. It's just so you can get more bang for your buck and be a little bit more strategic with it. You got a better range of macros coming in from basically yeah. the same. It's more balance. I get more that. balance. It's it's almost like the zone approach. When you look at a meal, it should be zoned with your macronutrients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also try and use that to just balance, just to have balance in your meals, especially when you're prepping. You look for a carbohydrate. You look for your fat. You look for your protein. Look for your veggies, mm-hmm. and you've got a meal sorted. Well, I suppose that's the the. Very analytic way to just look at a plate, right? Because a plate is, is made up. Plate. It's made up of all yeah. of these individual things, but people just see it as this homogenous food. Yes. Whereas actually, you need to see what. Well, hang on, what what is this what consisting am I of? Consuming yeah. here, um, and that's a very eye-opening approach. When I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. Even just analyzing, especially the last sort of two and a half years since I've been doing CrossFit, yeah. and since I've considered eating for performance a priority mm-hmm. over eating for aesthetics. Yeah. Like it's a big shift and there'll be a lot of people who, I think the vast majority of people who know um, or who understand how to diet or mm-hmm. understand what their diet should consist of will understand what it is in order to lose fat. Yes. Like people know that probably restricting your calories overall, mm-hmm. there's a bit of bro science about like, bro, you want to, you want to have a bit less carbs and you want to up yeah. your protein and stuff yeah. like that. Um I think people understand that. But again, for me, it was so eye-opening starting to do CrossFit and realizing, hang on, if I use performance as the canary in the coal mine for Mm -hmm. how well my diet is going and all that I do is eat to affect my performance, as long as my performance is going up and I don't look like a a total slob in Mm -hmm. the mirror, I've probably got this pretty right. Yeah. You just need to find the balance with this. Yes. Um, Obviously, when you're consuming four, five, six hundred grams of carbohydrate, like... A lot of literature suggests for sport performance, you need to be on six, seven hundred grams of carbohydrate. Yeah. 
but that's not really attainable in most people's lives. Like mm. most people aren't these elite athletes. Uh, Video Gardein will be able to make an image of Brent Fikowski from, I think it was last year actually when he posted something up or his nutritionist did and mm. he reposted it on his Instagram where he had the 2017 games and he was on maybe like five to 700 grams. Yeah. And then it was like the 2018 games and he was on like eight to 900 grams of carbs a day. I take that with a pinch of salt. I think what he may have not said is that might be his comp price. Yes, yes, exactly. But so still, like, trying to consume that much, trying yes. to consume th- just the sheer volume. Oh, the volume of food must be outrageous. Like, I've got several clients on four or five hundred grams of carbohydrate, and coaching them through that is... Challenging. Challenging, because <laughs> I don't personally eat that, so I've got to be strategic how we get them there. Yeah. And it is through that workout nutrition it is crazy though to see these guys like these top level athletes like Brett and you know he looks fantastic he looks even more peeled even fuller like his performance was fantastic like he's kind of he's an endurance guy as well right like he's he's a biker swimmer um, and he's got that kind of long lean bean look as well yeah so to see someone put that much food away I guess he'll he'll probably be quite tall so there'll be a lot of stomach when you look at him he'll be maybe 6'2 6'4 something like that so if you brought him down to a crossfit height yeah he'd be one of the most jack blokes in the game oh by by miles yeah, yeah. yeah. he'd be it, like, if you shrunk his he'd be Dan levers, he'd be Dan yeah, Bailey he'd, without with, he'd with two knees he'd yeah. be huge so his i think approach that he took this got a little tangent he um was working a lot more with strict stuff since he's a little bit heavier yeah he's got longer levers yeah so he was working like his tricep lockout for his handstand push-ups yeah things like that he's got a further range to go mm. so he was doing a lot more strict work i think leading up to the last games so that needs so to be supported by the extra carbohydrates yeah. you think yep that's interesting one thing as well for anyone who is listening um that hasn't used maltodextrin or dextrose in their shakes it is it's just free money like mm-hmm. it's the same as uh sunny webster said have you ever used a, a lifting belt or knee uh, knee wraps um, had knee sleeves and I was like no I've never used either and he was like man it's just free gains yeah he was like both of those things are just free gains and for me yeah you're going to you're stretching the other I'm one stretching. get it in toy I'm toy you're going to be so loose in the glutes uh-huh. after this so um, yeah and he said it's free gains yeah like uh, and I it seems to me maltodextrin in a post-workout shake mm-hmm. like especially if you're struggling to hit your macros exactly. as in you can't get them in yeah you won't even feel it yeah. Like a big scoop of any maltodextrin in a post-workout shape with two scoops of um, protein and a scoop of creatine. And in the space of three minutes, two minutes, yep. you're like, I've done so much stuff. Yeah, And I guess that's the same as the the equivalent for macros and for creatine as your veggie shake in the morning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. Then if you break that down a little bit more, you're replenishing your creatine stores that you've just depleted with your um, creatine phosphate. Okay. So through your ATP work, through your lifting, yes. that's like the explosive work. That's your one rep maxes and things like that. Yep. You're replenishing your creatine levels. Would that that be- can also be done through red meat, mm. some fishes, some nuts. But having the creatine monohydrate will directly affect. Would that be similar for if you've got um, someone who's doing a, maybe a rower, like a competitive rower mm-hmm. that's doing some interval work, yep. like really hard, mm-hmm. like a 500 meter test or a 2k test or yep. stuff like that. Exactly. exactly. Same it energy system. So it doesn't really matter about system. load. It's about like effort. It's all about effort, okay. energy system. Okay. So if you look at it, he's doing a five, he's doing a 2k. Mm. 
he'd be probably looking at, not for us, but yeah. he'd be probably looking at what, like five, six, six minutes. Six minute window, yeah. Glycolytic zone. Okay. So he'd fuel up on his carbohydrates before, mm-hmm. make sure he doesn't deplete during his session because you just go, yeah. I mean, while you roll, it's very difficult to have intra workout stuff. Oh, no, you probably wouldn't do the old one yeah. hand. Yeah. I guess that's what Stu will be doing on the roll, though. That is what Stu... So you will remember episode number one, um, rowing the Atlantic solo with Stu Morton. He's actually going in, what would it be, like seven months now? At the end of the year, I'm not too sure when the date is, but he's all gearing up for it. He's still a big boy, man. He's had to be a big boy for a long time now as well, hasn't he? Yeah. um, He's been perma-bulking for two years. Yeah. He's had to eat for his performance, though. He's had to eat um, for the row, so... Like I was saying about the ketogenesis kind of vibe, mm. he will use his body fat and body stores as his fuel as he rows. Yeah. Because naturally, as you row, he's planning on two hours on, two hours off for a month. <laughs> um, you're probably not going to balance that energy through food, so you're going to have to use yourself. Um, the several rowers, when they do, when they have came back, they just almost half the man they set out as. He was saying that it's between... Um 35 and 70 pounds that he's expecting yeah. to, to lose on the duration of rowing across yeah. the Atlantic. And like one of the things that fucking blows me away is the fact that Ross Edgley mm. came back more jacked after having swam around the UK. <laughs> like the only difference <coughs> was the fact that he had salt tongue and like some ulcers. Yeah. Like that was it. It was mad. He's a big, did you have a look at what he was eating and stuff for that? I, I saw a little bit. I saw his, I listened to his Joe Rogan yeah. uh, interview. He was saying he's had really some inordinate much. amount of bananas. Uh, he that's, said he was eating granola. He's had thousands of bananas. He's just looking at macrogen, macronutrient dense food. If right. you look at your granola, there's fats in there. There's a lot of carbohydrate in there. Mm. It's quite, it's quite easy to eat as well. Yeah. Like if you ever, you've ever poured 50 grams, which is one portion yeah. of granola in a bowl. <laughs> you look at it like a sad, lonely child, yeah. don't you? You're like, what? <laughs> is, this, is this all that there is? is all I have some is? more, please, sir. Then you take your bowl off the scale, continue to pour. <laughs> Put your scale no to one, one side. No one knows anymore. Yeah. Hopefully that camera didn't catch anything yeah, I, of what we've just done. I, I, I totally get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Ross Edgley thing, man, he's a fucking animal. I'm, go, I'm going to see his live show. Okay. So Run me through. It, I'm, I, I have no idea. He's doing a live show where he'll be doing experiments live on stage and talking about the swim and um it's kind of a i think the world's fittest tour will be a live version of his uh book which is pretty Mm. pretty interesting yeah going with uh george and mark and um uh, phil one of my buddies okay um so i'm I'm pretty excited but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting the podcast if you haven't already heard it the podcast with joe rogan's fucking fascinating like where he's talking about swimming he was swimming and he kept on getting um is it jellyfish like he kept on getting jellyfish, oh, jellyfish stuck in his uh, yeah, goggles. He was sw- swimming along for ages and mm. he was shouting to the captain that he was in loads of pain and couldn't work out why. And the captain was like, no, we can't take you back on board at the moment. You've got to keep swimming. Yeah. And he was like, I, the pain was just so bad. I couldn't work out why. And um, he got like, back on to the... three hours. Yeah, he kept well. on swimming for three hours, got back onto the boat. And the reason it turned out this jellyfish thing had been so bad was because it had wrapped itself around his goggles and mm. it basically attached himself yeah. uh, itself to his face he had to like peel it off yeah and then when his next swim session was due he had to punch the goggles punch into the his own like off. swollen eyes yeah 
That man's built of something else, isn't he? He's got some great stories on there, but he brings up some CrossFit vibes, which aren't factually correct. But that's that's another story. Yeah, that's that's for a, for a different podcast. Yeah, so different we've podcast. we've talked about the fact that for training, carbohydrates are important. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a big takeaway. Yeah. That you need to be looking at greens and uh, you need to be varying your diet. Satisfy your micronutrient ranges. Okay. What about if we move on to uh, competition? Mm-hmm. So should people change the way that they eat up to a competition? And if so, why? And if not, why? Yes. So we would change what we're eating. Okay. So we want to eat as efficiently as possible. So we're going to uh, limit any inflammation. So as you're sat there, you're eyeing up a pizza. It's on a Monday. Mm. Your competition's on the Saturday. It's probably not the best idea. Why? You're probably going to get quite a lot of gut inflammation. From the gluten? From the gluten, from everything in the food. It's not probably your typical food source. Okay. You want foods which are pretty easy to digest. You want to kind of look after your gut the best you can in the lead up. So try and eat as normally as possible. Do you mean eating the same things that your body is used to eating? Yes. Okay. What's... So eat real foods. Yep. Eat balanced foods. Keep smashing your micros in. Mm-hmm. And from there, from the Monday... See competitions on the Saturday, Sunday. Okay, we're with, gonna I'm act- going to guess. I'm going to guess to certain check there that this would be pretty similar for whether you're powerlifting. Presuming yeah. you don't have to cut to meet weight, mm-hmm. um, whether you're going to do from powerlifting up to marathon. Yes, yes. So cool. we've got we've got several cyclists who uh, with WDN, several triathletes, mm-hmm. and we'll do exactly the same protocol. It'll okay, just be cool. carbohydrate loading. Yes. So we'll keep fats and proteins consistent. Yep. And we'll just ramp up the carbohydrates towards workout one or the start line. Okay, so roll this forward. We're on Monday, we've avoided the pizza. So Monday... Somehow. So, yeah, we've avoided... Dodge the Dodge pizza. Dodge the pizza, yeah. So Monday, we'll start from your baseline of carbohydrate. We'll start ramping up slowly, depending on what your sport is, mm-hmm. depending on who you are, depending on your intensity of the weekend, mm-hmm. depending on how many workouts you have, yep. and so on. And your gender as well will probably ramp guys up a little bit quicker than girls. Then we'll spike them both towards the end. That's for no particular reason, to be honest. We just, guys can tolerate a little bit more. They've got more muscle mass. Yeah. They can store Bigger a bit stomachs. more glycogen and so on. Yeah. Um, so from there, we'll just start ramping up each day. It'll almost be a step. It'll be a step of more carbohydrate. Have you got any, any idea of a percentage? So if you were having 100% was um, what you would have on your baseline. Yep. What are you doing on the Monday, the Tuesday? So instead of percent, let's say we'll add Monday, probably be the same. Yeah. Tuesday, the same. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, we'll probably add 50 to 75 grams of carbohydrate. Okay. Thursday will be about 100. Yeah. Friday will be about 150. Mm-hmm. Then over the competition weekend, we're going to yet again try and eat as efficiently as we can. We're going to stay to our normal foods. Mm-hmm. We're not going to overly spike our insulin too much, as in... If you have I've ever been to a comp, you'll just see people smashing in sugars yeah. left, right, and center. Yeah, you do need a little bit of sugar, but try and be smart how you why, use why that is sugar it a bad idea? session. Because you want to use your sugar wisely. You want to use your sugar pre, post, intra. Obviously, there's not going to be that big four-hour window that we used to in our training. Mm-hmm. But people are there, like smashing in wine gums left, right, and center. Yeah. And yeah, that was a little bit me at strength and depth. Mm-hmm. But you always you have a little bit of fun. Yeah. And um, that from there, just eat as normally as you can. We're going to add maybe 250 extra grams of carbohydrate on top of what you normally eat. Per comp day? Per comp day. Okay. Um, so Probably each comp day. There wouldn't yeah. be, you wouldn't go 500 on the next day. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, the two. But bear in mind, these people that are ramping up towards the competition, they're 100%. It's probably going to be quite a lot of carbohydrates. Probably 350 already, maybe more. Maybe a little bit more, maybe 400s, yeah. depending, 500s maybe. So what's cool is he said, so we, we do change our diet mm-hmm. in terms of the macronutrients, yep. but we don't change our diet in terms of the food that we eat. Yes, we just eat a little bit more. Okay, cool. So when you say efficient, uh, eating efficiently, mm-hmm. what do you mean? So that's just using quite wholesome foods, well, quite nutrient-dense foods. So you're going to use something like sweet potatoes, you're going to use quite a little rices. You're going to use chicken thighs, chicken breasts. You're going to eat nuts, seeds, quite what you'd say healthy foods. Okay. Wholesome foods. Why is that? Why are they efficient? So they're not going to uh, reduce, they're not going to produce any inflammation on your gut. So if you look into something, which is probably going to, another conversation we'll have is going to be the FODMAP approach. I want to get onto this, yeah. So eating for a FODMAP approach would be to limit your gut inflammation. So there's a lot of foods which spike inflammation in your gut, which is tricky to digest. Okay. And we all have a little bit of intolerance to some foods. The key ones are, like people always say, gluten. There is a little bit of underlying in that. Like people slam it and slam it and slam it. Yeah. But there is, if you don't feel 100% when you eat a food, don't eat the food. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Regardless if there's somebody on TV or Instagram saying... It's a myth. Yeah. If you feel pretty shit when you've eaten something, yeah. probably don't eat it. Like, I am allergic to dairy. <laughs> and there's a, a lot of research which says have a milkshake post-workout and it's good for recovery, which that's true. Not for you. But if I have that, I got a swollen neck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's not an all one size fits all approach. <laughs> my recovery is through the roof. Oh, yeah, I recovered brilliantly as yeah. soon as I can get my neck to go down. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can put a shirt and a tie back yeah, on. I'm man. fine. So um, talk us through the FODMAP diet a little bit more. So the FODMAP diet. What's, what's FODMAP? So good question. Okay. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Let's okay, Google that. What is FODMAP? FODMAP. FODMAP. It's just explaining it to me. It's not telling me what it's. There you go. There you go. It is fermentable (laughs) oligodimonosaccharides and polyosis. Oh, and polys. Polyosis. (laughs) Polys. Polysaccharides. Whatever that thing. It's that. It doesn't. You don't need to know what it is. You don't yeah, need to, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It There's, doesn't mean anything. None of it's us know what it means. It's the same with everything we do. There's abbreviation for a reason. You yeah. don't want to say that full sentence. You, I, mean, I didn't I, remember what it is. I was reading it and I couldn't. Yes. So So basically, if you get that back up, and I know people can't see what it is. Yeah. Who's the guy that puts, puts things on our videos? Dean. Video guy Dean. Dean. Video guy Dean will make, it, will make it appear here. What's the chart that you want? So just click on any one of these. Okay, cool. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh dear. There'll be a seamless cut, guys. There'll yeah, exactly. Seamless cut. Right. So, so if we look here, uh, obviously the chart will be somewhere. Yeah. There's um, low FODMAP and high FODMAP. We will just basically want to limit the high FODMAP foods in our diet. That does cause inflammation in our gut. Uh, when we say the gut, that's all about digestion okay. and metabolism. So if you're constantly inflamed in your gut, your digestion is going to be a little bit off. You're mm. not going to metabolize your food all that well. And... I'm not that researching the gut-brain connection, but yes. there is a massive link between how efficient your gut is to your health in your brain. Um, There's a, a 
fairly well-cited study that talks about the fact that there's more um, neurotransmitter receptors, or there's more uh, mood receptors in your gut than there are in your brain. Yes. So your mood is determined more heavily by mm. your gut to a degree that gets fed back up to your brain. Yes. But um, that your mood is heavily determined by what you eat, essentially. Yeah. This bit may be cut out, I don't know. Mm. But uh, my brother does research on gut enzymes. Okay. And he's currently looking into if there's like um, an enzyme in the gut which does lead to diabetes. Okay. And he is going to research. I don't know. It's not his current one that he's on at the moment, but he's going to move to that on the future and see if there's a gut enzyme you could introduce to people with type 1 diabetes. To offset it. To reintroduce. This goes well above me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, to see if there's a big connection. And oh, it well. seems like there is. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so it all stems from the gut. What, happy gut, happy you. What we're saying is that FODMAP appears to be a, a low-resolution kind of blanket coverage approach to just ensuring that you're not going to have an upset stomach. Basically. And yeah. you're going to reduce inflammation. Yeah. Would inflammation occur outside, like in the body as well, like in the joints as well? Um, it may just slow you down. Your energy is going to be a little bit lower. Um, I'd recommend people to just limit the wheat, limit the dairy, and see where we so go those from are two there. Two good places to start. Two really good places. So that chart might appear again. Yeah. And the there's really common ones. Apples are on there. Milk. Um, if we look down, legumes. Yeah. Things. It fucking does. love legumes. What's your favorite legume? Uh, I do, I'm a good fan of peas. Rice and peas, man. Like yeah, rice I and love peas. peas. Rice and peas is good. Um, What's a debate about peanuts? Peanuts are legumes, aren't they? I don't really like the term legume. Legume, it's good. It sounds very Americanized. It I feel does. like I feel like we didn't have a word for cashews that. Cashews, you fucked on. Peanuts, you're okay on. Peanuts okay. are low fodmap, but cashews Incredible and pistachios scenes. aren't. Um, dark chocolate's okay. High oh, fructose corn syrup. This is bad from, times. This is built yeah. for Americans, isn't it? This is built for Americans. Sugar-free confectionery. Mm, sad times. Um, it's all basically high FODMAP foods are all the fun foods they are they're the good ones Bis- and, biscuits in there but yeah are. but I'm sure there's a nice alternative biscuits and snack products I mean yeah. snack products covers if if fucking saurine's in there then fuck oh. FODMAP what's, um, what's the ingredients sorry magic and and, magic. and god dust just yeah, down exactly. unicorn yeah exactly it's unicorn tears and <laughs> banana unicorns yeah exactly so I think the FODMAP thing, so you mentioned it to me in the gym the other day. Yes. It is quite interesting. And I, I definitely have noticed since I've cycled off taking milk and uh-huh. having uh, almond milk where yep. I can, uh, I don't enjoy the taste quite as much. I'm still shopping around for the mm-hmm. one that I prefer. Weirdly enough, I'd have thought the sweetened one would have been well nicer, but it's not. No, it does taste very sugary, doesn't it? It's just like, it yeah. makes my face turn inside out. Um, so... Athletes who are looking at potentially changing through some foods, FODMAP will be linked in the show notes below. Have a little yes. look. And did you advise to do it um, incrementally? So to take each FODMAP thing out yes. one by one so, so you can be, identify it? It'd be an elimination approach. So if you're in your current diet, you're getting a lot of inflammation, you're getting an upset gut, your bowel movements aren't great, not a mm-hmm. great topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. I just start to slowly eliminate foods, go over two, three, four week cycle. Yeah. So if you start just by cutting out milk or limit your dairy or limit your yogurt. Yeah. And introduce it. And if it's back. Yeah. Take it out again. And then, okay, now mm-hmm. that's either stayed so, or gone. Yeah. Then wheat's going to stay yeah. or go. Then. Yeah. And it's slowly refining your food choices. And that, that does take a while. And it, mean, is, <sighs> it is trial and error. And you can get a food allergy chart and that might. 
might see a little bit better, but you want to eat the best you can for you. Everybody's a little bit different. So if you eat the best you can to where you feel great, that's basically what we want. If you feel great, your gut's probably doing well. Mm. I think the mad thing about that is it would appear if you had an adverse reaction to mm. some of the stuff that's on FODMAP, really, regardless of whether it's the middle of winter, it's Christmas Day, it's the day before a competition, you're mid-workout, yeah. those foods really, unless you're making a concerted uh, exception because you really want to have it for... Yeah either like uh, situation or taste or whatever it might be. Those foods shouldn't ever appear in your diet. Yeah. Um, whey protein though. Whey protein. Well, I'd, I've done the same. Yeah. I've told you, man, I've switched are you on, to are you on the beef, hydrolyzed beef from my protein. What do you think? What, so, what was our protein sponsor before? Uh, so the protein works actually, Have they uh, got one? the guys, the guys know that they, they used to have a beef derived protein. They're currently developing a new one. So right now my best advice is actually bulk powders. So I've tried bulk powders on my protein. The reason that I like bulk powders beef protein is it's isolate. Mm-hmm. So the my protein one is thick. As it is thick, th- isn't thick it? Thick as fuck. So like I have to punch it down my yes. down my neck, like which is difficult, especially um, when you've got your maltodextrin in your shake. I don't at the moment, Ooh, but okay. if I was to add that in, like it would be probably almost yeah. undrinkable. Like yeah. it's crazy thick, which is actually at the moment because I'm dieting is actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more satiating. Yeah. But when it comes to me trying to get those calories in, I would certainly be switching across. Um, bulk powders do this. They do two, but the one that you want is the um, beef isolate. Like how yeah. the fuck they've managed to I've get cur- I've currently got this. I've, got, I've currently got that protein, yeah. The chocolate one. Yes, good. Yeah, it's good. It is good. A lot thinner. A lot thinner. But um, so let's go back around. Yes. Your dieting. Okay. Let's let's run through this. Me dieting. Let's run through this. So in terms of you dieting, what's your approach to dieting? Just because dial cows back. Dial cows back. So have you understood your TDE or your metabolic baseline as we we'd suggest? So um, have you found out what that is? Or are you using I'm using what we so some of the listeners will know that I've been wearing a whoops whoop strap for mm-hmm. the last six months or so. It's an always-on heart rate tracker, activity tracker, workout tracker, resting heart rate, HRV, which is your heart rate variability, mm-hmm. sleep tracker, and a few other things as well. Um, Does it the, take into account thermoregulation and heat loss? No. So it's Ooh. it's a it's a it's a, <laughs> blunt, it's a blunt instrument at working out how much energy you've yes. expended throughout the day. But it's a lot easier or a lot better, in my opinion, than just a, mm-hmm. a, picking the number that your weight is. Yes. And hoping for the best, and then yes, thinking, yes, yes. "Oh well, I've, I worked out a bit today." Yeah, oh, you um, can invest in a nutrition coach. There we go. Link will be to will be we donate nutrition in the show notes below. Um, um, that's a joke, by the way. No, no, we genuinely will be. So, yeah, in terms of me dieting, it's just reducing calories. Like, and what's your approach to that? Like, are you prioritizing your workout nutrition? So you keeping the focus on. You're going to head in the gym and keep 100% in your training sessions? No. So, given. Are given, you just kind of. Are you just got a blanket approach that I'm just going to drop down? I'm probably going to get my workouts done earlier on in the day. So, I feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that I said I've focused on eating for performance, this now seems a little bit like I'm a yes. hypocrite. But my point is that. Um, Right now, I don't have time. It's two weeks until I go away and film right, the Romwad. Okay. Like, I don't have time to be focusing on performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'm actually doing it is mixing together intermittent fasting okay. with 
uh, just basically locales. So mm-hmm. I'm staying fasted until about two in the afternoon. Oh, wow. I, tend, okay. I, I tend to train at about nine or 10 in the morning. So I'm training fasted. I'm aware that goes against a lot of, a lot yeah, of what yeah, we've yeah. spoken about today. But I do have to say that training fasted on a morning is the best time that I can get that in. Like yes. if I was dieting, um, I would much sooner train as soon as possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you wake up, you feel a little bit good, you have a little bit of caffeine. Yeah, and I'm aware. energy does I, I, It's almost like I get the training session in before my body realises, mm. it has had time to realise that it's hungry. For sure. And by the time I finished, like let's say I finished at 11, 11, half 11, another caffeine. I'm tending to have a pulse workout shake as yeah. well, so I will have some stuff in there mm-hmm. afterwards. Then by the time it gets to like get home, 1.32 p.m., I sort, yeah. sorted it out, and I'm like, okay, well, it's time to eat. Yes. Um. So... I'm actually doing a podcast with David Sinclair, who was on Joe Rogan. He's one of the world's leading longevity experts, works yes. out with Harvard University. Yes. So I'm going I've, to... I've listened to his podcast. Okay. I'm going to Harvard uh-huh. to sit down with him. Right. Okay. And that's before I go and see Inside Tracker. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll be very interested to kind of chase up some of the points that he had about intermittent fasting with yes. on that podcast. But if you haven't listened to it already, it's it's really interesting and if you've ever considered going to start doing intermittent fasting, like he sells the dream mm. so fucking hard in there. And it's just through data. Like he's yes. not saying it's amazing and this is, I do it and you should do it because of these reasons. He's just presenting what the data seems mm. to show. Like Let, maybe, let's maybe turn so- this around a little bit. So I have two approaches to intermittent fasting. Okay. The first one is if you're in a severe caloric deficit, obviously I wouldn't suggest going too deep in a caloric deficit. Yeah. But if you are, yeah, fine. I'd probably recommend to do intermittent fasting. So you bring your eating window down so you can eat pretty regularly from 2 p.m. till 10 p.m. 10 p.m. or so on. And you don't really see the effects of your shortened calories. Mm. Then the second approach is from um, like an athlete's approach or performance approach. If you do intermittent fast, so you've your last meal was or the last thing you ate was 10 p.m., mm-hmm. you go through right to your training session at 9am in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much working on empty at the time. So your session is going to be diminished by a fair few percent. You'll have less to give. Your recovery is going to be down. Your immunity is going to be down. You go into your session. Yeah, you have a bit of protein afterwards, but you still haven't replenished your glycogen stores yet. So you're probably going to be very vulnerable to infection or getting ill. Mm. Exactly what you need before holiday, yeah. then you 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 go back into your window. So as somebody say, if you were trying to get the most out of every training session, mm-hmm. I'd recommend throwing a little bit of workout nutrition around your session. Yes. Then just focusing on having as many veggies and much satiation through food as possible. Okay. So eating a lot of volume of spinach. Yeah. Um, and so on, and try and keep your protein fairly high and consistent. That's not really going to do much. You you burn your protein by eating it and trying to digest it. Do you um do you ever advocate diet uh, for athletes who aren't trying to cut down to a particular mm-hmm. weight category? Do you often advocate deficits? Yes. So what we always do with every approach, regardless what your goal is. We're not so much a performance company. We do have a lot of performance athletes. We've also got a lot of health athletes. Our health athletes and performance athletes start the exact same approach. So we look at the micros. We look at their general health. We look at balancing their energy, regardless what the sport is, what their lifestyle is. From here, 
generally, if you're looking at performance, we'll start adding calories and adding carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. If you're just looking at general body composition, we'll start taking away a little bit of calories. And we'll just focus on consistency over several months. When I say several months, it might be two, three, so on, before we start to recomp, get back to the baseline and let our metabolism just chill for a while. Mm -hmm. That's not so much with the performance guys. They can carry on going. So if you are looking at wanting to lose some weight or go into a little bit of a deficit, I'd just recommend going about 5% of your total calories every week, Mm -hmm. every two weeks. And just see with consistency where you can get. Take your time with it. Try and eat within 10 grams of your macronutrients. Mm -hmm. And just slowly plummet down. You shouldn't go too low to where it should affect your performance. It definitely shouldn't affect your cognition. You should feel pretty good in yourself. You should just feel slow, consistent weight loss. Uh, When I say weight loss, I hate saying that term. You should just take a lot of progress pictures, just have a visual in front of you. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that can influence weight. Like the the one to two kilo variation on weight daily, and that's with water, carbohydrate timings, hydration, dehydration, inflammation, inflammation from training, inflammation from food, bowel movements, and just general, just fluctuations. Yeah. So there's always a lot of people that do just focus on that number on the scales and a lot of the time you can just go on the scales jump off the scales go on the scales jump off the scales <laughs> do that four or five times probably lost a little bit of weight yeah i might go up you know you yeah, never know yeah, yeah. but with that there'll always be a little bit of fluctuation to take your weight with a bit pinch of salt just have a visual of what you want to do and where you want to go have a strong goal in mind. Yeah. Have that visual of your progress picture. Mm. You don't need to share it around. Like we rarely post progress pictures and that's fine. Like that's, we will obviously if there is some available to post, but we don't want to use that as a marketing strategy. Mm. We want to just keep those for you. Yeah. Keep those for you feeling good. And um, that should always be the factor we focus on. I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, and this is why I, increasingly I'm seeing people talk about the negative mindset that comes along with bodybuilding and fitness, Mm -hmm. uh, fitness training overall. Yeah. Typical bro fitness training, not fitness for CrossFit, which is that your progress is externalized, especially if you're competing, it's externalized to someone who isn't you. But even if you aren't competing, it's externalized to your own mindset. Mm -hmm. Like you could wake up in a month's time 1% 1% leaner yes. and a kilo heavier than you yes. are now. Uh-huh. But if you're in a really shit space, you're in a bad mindset, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I look crap. I'm not yes. happy with the way that I look. And you're like, well, hang on. By every objective measure, you've managed to get yourself in better nick. Yeah. And you've got to remember those goals. But what was your goal to begin with? Decrease body fat. And increase muscle add mass. Add some muscle mass. So you said, now you, you've crushed that. Yeah. Then. But you, because your mindset is not an objective measure. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, like you say, people try and externalize that to go, okay, well, I'll just focus on the scales. Yes. Like, well, it kind of needs to probably be somewhere in between. Mm. If over the course of two months, your weight has been steadily increasing and you're supposed to be in a deficit. Yes. We need to make some adjustments. Yeah. However, if that's happened and you, you've got like visible ab veins, mm. you're like, well, mm. you, you're doing something right here. Exactly. Maybe you're training super hard. Yes. Maybe, you know, G-flux theory, I'm aware, is kind of criticized, but is, mm-hmm. is a thing that sometimes gets cited. Yusuf made a really fucking good point the other day. He said, people think that they don't have a bodybuilding goal. 
And he's like, yes. they're wrong. It's just a matter of perspective. Everybody has a bodybuilding goal. Mm-hmm. It's just that some some people's change. Like exactly. Everybody wants to be a bit leaner yes. and a bit bigger, yes. like in terms of muscle mass. Every, every male anyway. Yeah. I think every even, crossfitter. Even, every crossfitter. Every crossfitter for sure. But I think even females, like if you gave them the choice, mm-hmm. like most females would be like, yeah, I could do with, you know, having maybe a little bit more shape to my legs or my calves or my shoulders yeah. or my back or my like abs or my whatever. Yeah. And I could do with being a little bit leaner. Like even mm-hmm. fucking the girls that are the most comfortable within their own body yeah. would still say, oh, well, that would, that might, yeah. if you just said, pick from this menu of options that you would what like. What would you want here? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think, oh, well, actually I'm, I'm happy with my leanness, but I'd love mm-hmm. to have slightly bigger whatever, yeah. like bum or legs. And that can be done via training, via exactly. nutrition. So I think we've gone through some, some really cool stuff there. I like the idea, the green shake in the morning is mm-hmm. a good takeaway. I think that the importance of carbs in and around yeah. training for training. Um, one thing that I wanted to check, is there a rough rule of thumb that people can use to judge what their carbohydrate intake should be based on their weight? Yes. So off the top of my head, so it's between two grams per kilo and about seven grams per kilo. There's quite a lot of Big variation okay. and it depends on who you are, what okay. you do, male, female, okay. your training history, your training environment. Yeah. Um, how long you train for, mm-hmm. what you do for a lifestyle approach. So what you do for work, that can really affect how many carbohydrates you need. And these are all factors that you do want to look into. However, there can be a little bit of variation on it. Mm. One thing I did want to get into when we're talking about different sports, uh, we've got quite a lot of weightlifters with WDN and we've got a slightly different approach to a lot of weightlifters and it, it's quite conflicting. I think we're lucky that our weightlifters also compete in CrossFit. So their target weight they're going to compete at isn't ridiculously low. Mm. Like it is with a lot of people that do MMA or need to se- like severely cut. So we always want to see what your long-term goal is. So if mine was to compete 75 kilos, I don't even know if that's a category. I'd look at, in six months time, how can I slowly get to 75 kilos, maybe 76, 77 kilos before the event? We want to perform at 100% in that comp leading up to, or the weeks comp leading up to, at pretty much your stage weight. Then the day before, we might restrict a little bit of water, we might chew some gum, we might drop the salts and so on, load up on the salts on the day, and get you guys at that weight, then rather than all your competition is going to be severely dehydrated they're going to look like shit on the day mm. they're going to be shaking on the scales then they're going to have to severely rehydrate mm. we're turning up we know our maxes we hit them earlier in the week we're turning up with 100 percent. we're fueled we're ready to go mm. so we've got a slightly different approach to what a few people have is that quite contrary to what's typical yes I, well i think at like elite weightlifting they do want to Obviously. Going as heavy as possible. And then going as light as possible. Oh, then Yeah, okay. Yeah, then heavy. come back up. So we we want to be at that weight a couple of weeks before. So we're performing 100% at that pretty much stage weight. Um, Do you think that given the balance between the two, that there's less stuff that can go wrong? Yeah. Is that like, the main reason? We look at it in terms of health. So if you're, when you see a lot of guys who do MMA, the step on the scales... And they're pretty much going to collapse. Emaciated. Yeah, they're emaciated. Uh, I wouldn't see that that person on the scales as like an elite sportsman. Or a picture of health. Or a picture of health. 
Uh, we want to turn up healthy. We don't want to drop our body severely out of homeostasis. We want to rock up feeling good, knowing we're going to hit our maxes mm. and turn up on the day at 100%. I think that's definitely, again, you know, to kind of sing the praises of CrossFit to a degree, the fact that there are mm. weight categories yes. is such a beneficial thing long-term for the health of the people that are doing it. Mm -hmm. Like you can say what you want about the fact that dangers and injury for CrossFit and high repetitions of heavy weights under fatigue and all that sort of stuff. But no one's using diuretics before they go and and compete in CrossFit. And like, I always use this example. I used it on our first ever podcast where I said that if you look at, especially in bodybuilding, but also to a degree in powerlifting and things like that, a lot of people in the build-up to their particular competition in a, a sport of choice that isn't CrossFit mm-hmm. will actually not look forward to that comp prep. Yeah. So you'll see people, especially bodybuilding guys, everyone will have someone who's done a fitness show or a bodybuilding mm-hmm. show on their Facebook, and they'll say, now begins the start of my 16 week cut. Like it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be savage. And like, I'm sorry if I'm not really going to be friendly and this, that and the other. And you're like, I I mean, if you take the equivalent period for CrossFitters, which is December until I guess February for the open or it's all changed now, but yeah. Yeah. um, If you take any period Mm -hmm. up until a competition, it's their favorite time. They're training once or twice a day. They're loving the training. Everything's going min. Everything's dialed in. They're eating like fuck. Mm -hmm. Like they're getting to eat loads. They're out getting loads of fresh air. Like it's, I imagine it must be similar for a lot of, um, a lot of guys that do powerlifting that don't have to meet weight. Yes. Like if you get to constantly pee, like rep PB over and over and over again, it must be cool. Whereas again, you know, like we said, if you know as an MMA athlete that you're going in and you've got this, you've got this week looming over you where you're like, holy fucking shit. Like, but worse for those like that, that dehydration effect on your brain and your cognitive approach then you're going to go and step in the ring and get punched it's, in the it's, face. It's almost it's like, um, it's it, almost it a different element of the well sport. For me. Yeah. It's a different element of the sport. I think like I, you can be the best fighter in the world, mm. but let's say there is something about your particular genetic makeup or your particular, um, biomechanics, your biology, yeah. which doesn't permit your body to perform well when you've had to do that dramatic weight cut. Yeah. Like you could be the best fighter on the planet, mm-hmm. but if that's the case, like, you fucked. Yeah. I think with that, <laughs> there should be like an agreement to say if we're, we would fight at the same weight, mm-hmm. let's just fight the same weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these weight categories, the, the savage to get there. Like, and especially when somebody's trying to drop down from a weight division to another weight division. Yeah. You've seen it quite a lot. There was, I think, a guy called Dylan Shaw. Um, so he, he crushed a lot of people. He would drop down for a, drop down for a fight and he was not there. Yeah. He was one of the leanest people I've ever seen going mm-hmm. in the fight. Ab veins everywhere. Yeah, TJ Dillashaw's in good in good nick. Great I, nick. I, I think the there's talk with the UFC about them having intra weight tests mm. um, over periods leading up to the fight, and yeah. then them only being allowed to drop particular percentages, yeah. which restricts like restricts the damage. And it's it's yeah, a health conscious thing, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got our green shakes. We've got the importance of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. We know that we've got a range of two to seven grams. I'm going to guess for most people, it'll be between three and like three and five, something like that. Three and five grams per kilo of body weight is what Mm -hmm. you want to be hitting. We want to bunch it around our training. We want a bit of intro, a bit of BCAAs, 10 grams BCAAs, five grams? 10. 
10 grams that's a lot of BCAAs uh, well, well there's two scoops do you have a recommendation of BCAAs that you like <sighs> let's just go with your protein the pro- protein works protein works make fantastic BCAAs don't know <laughs> let's say that they do there's a link in the show notes below um, and finally what about stuff before bed like there's uh, so we, we there's talked about a lot about, of things you can take yeah does, does like bedtime digestion you know you can get like casein mm. overnight slow release protein yeah. is it all bollocks uh, this, is it mostly bollocks it's it is slow release so you there's, there's a thing for it does it matter there, especially when you're having potentially muscle breakdown in your overnight fast it what could, are you doing in your sleep it could get be breakdown. a good thing well, do, do we want to know I don't know yeah. I don't know but you, you could get some like your body will still need a supply of fuel as you sleep so it could be a good thing to have some casein. But if you're looking at sleep nutrition, that's more about getting your ZMAs in. So zinc, magnesium, that'll really help with sleep. Um, you can take things like, what's another one? 5-HTP. Mm-hmm. Serotonin, serotonin precursor, yeah. Yeah, serotonin if you're not in the UK. Yeah, no, it's 5-HTP is a serotonin precursor. No, but serotonin, you can't buy it, can you? No. Well, you can, I'm sure there's some things that you yeah. can. Um, but yeah, I, I'm big advocate of, of ZMAs. I've yeah. been using them for a while. Interestingly, when I was tracking my sleep, I actually found sometimes that my sleep quality worsened for a short period mm-hmm. um, when I started using them again. That's say I'd run out. Okay. Um, and apparently that's quite typical. Like, again, it's just throwing off what you what you go to sleep in. Is there is there anything that you... Is there a window within which you wouldn't eat before you go to sleep? Do you try and leave a gap or do you not really care? Not massively, not massively. I wouldn't load a lot of sugar before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you, you want don't, to ride. You don't really need the simple carbohydrates before, immediately before you go to sleep. Yeah. That's probably going to play havoc on your sleep as well if you're just fueled with sugar and you've got a buttload of energy. Unless you want to ride that insulin crash, if you mm-hmm. have it like an hour and a half before you yeah. go, ride that insulin crash Always. right into sleep. Love that. That's like the carbohydrate equivalent of taking a, of having a spliff, isn't it? It is. Like smash up, yourself like a bag of Haribo. Yeah. Wait for an hour and a half. Yeah. Get in a warm bed. <laughs> game over. Love the sound of that. Um, so any other things that you think that people should consider? Any final tips? I, I, the green smoothie thing I'm already I sold on. Notes. That's Did you? Let's have a look. What have we missed? Have we missed anything? Have we missed anything? We've talked about most of this. Oh, and comp prep. <laughs> I wrote down... Um, uh, leading up to a competition, you'd probably want seven to twelve grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight. That is it's so for me. Amount. For me, I'd be talking nearly a kilo of of carbohydrate on like the that'd day be quite before. a lot the day before. But that would be a significant amount if you want to improve your performance and go in there a hundred percent. Might be the way to do it. And obviously, that'd be a sustained. That that wouldn't be your first competition going yeah. in at a kilo of carbohydrate before. That'd be. Yeah, several kind of warm-up events to get to that level. I was going to say, would you recommend if someone is um, warming up for a competition or something like that, let's say that someone's going to go do a half marathon or they're going to go do anything, would you recommend like a test prep, like competition, like a fake Yeah, I'd say so. I think people should be doing that from a programming perspective anyway. So you should have mock comp weekends whether that's a team event, you'll just run through four or five workouts one day, four mm-hmm. or five workouts the next day. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good to learn a lot about yourself, a lot about how you'll approach a workout, a lot so about you, 
how you need to tactically spread your food throughout the day, mm. when and where you need your food, where you need your hydration. Hydration plays a massive effect on a comp day. So we'll need, you'll probably put your baseline hydration at three litres a day. Mm-hmm. Then you work out you're probably going to need to restore about one to two litres of fluid loss. Per, per workout? Per workout, yeah. Oh my God. So when I that's was... More, that's more than I would have thought I would have needed. Yeah, so you're looking at four litres a day if you have one hour workout. Yeah. Um, most people should be consuming that anyway. Yep. A lot of people don't. Yeah. And that'll play havoc with your recovery with a lot of um, cramps and things like that, especially with your salt loss. So some electrolytes could be a great thing to throw in post-workout. Um, so having electrolytes on your comp day, yeah, again, that's an awesome idea, yeah. especially as a CrossFitter where you're going to sweat in your warm-up, mm. you're going to sweat on the dance floor, mm-hmm. you're going to come off sweating, yeah. and you're just going to sit still. As a recommendation for that, are you thinking Lucase, Dioralite, like... I'd literally, yeah, Dioralite or just any generic um, electrolyte electrolytes. Yeah. We, I, used to, I used to recommend making your own. So like a pinch of Himalayan pink sea salt, yeah. um, some lime, some honey and a litre of water. Let's mix that up. You've is that pretty much got, what it is? Yeah, give or take. There's some, some different salts shit, in yeah. there, but yeah. That's quite cool. Give or take, that's basically what it is. There is some so I, I don't other, suffer, other minerals in there. I don't suffer tremendously bad with cramps. Like it's not something that... Mm, I used to. It feels like something that was that's kind of stopped in the 90s. Oh, really? Um, but, it, you know, no one talks about cramp anymore. Yeah, they but, don't. Um, and the only time that I've ever really had it was when I was out training uh, Muay Thai in um, Thailand. Yeah. And I was training maybe two hours a day twice. Mm. So in four hours a day in the heat, sweating like fuck. Mm. And um, it was the first day after our first double session, which yep. was four hours of training. And the next day I went oh, in and my calf, my calf down. just, yeah, it just turned into like a vice. Mm. And um, one of the guys went, oh, you need, you need, and waved this like sachet of essentially Dioralite. Oh, wow, okay. So um, sure enough, I'm on, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to have one of these a day. Yeah. I'd never had it before, but yeah, dehydration and high water. Because I was consuming enough water, Yeah, but it was diluting down the amount of salt I had. Exactly. But you probably weren't consuming enough water to your sweat loss levels. Like um, we once did a study when I was at uni. That's what we did. We did some hypoxic training yep. to see the effects of sweat loss or weight, water weight loss compared to high, hypoxic and non-hypoxic. Hypoxic's where you're not breathing, right? Yeah, you are breathing, but it's less oxygen. Restricted breathing. right? Restricted breathing. That wasn't with the masks. You throw those away. Too scientific. Um, yeah, it's in an oxygen chamber. Oh, fuck. more scientific. It's a very scientific. <laughs> yeah, it scientific. wasn't just like breathing through a straw and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, in a chamber. So I think I lost four kilos in like a 40-minute bout of exercise in, in oh fluid loss. So that's four litres of water. That's insane. Yeah. So when you actually study it, maybe more than a, maybe more than a litre, but is that applicable to everybody's life? When you, you're doing a double day session and you work around it, maybe you're a teacher and you can't... You're on your feet. And you're on your feet and you're trying to get four or five litres of water in. Yeah. And you're in the Leaving middle the of class lesson, every, every 15 seconds to go you're probably not allowed to do. Yeah. You know, it, you've got Kids to, are you've running riot, they're drawing on each other with marker pen. Yeah. Somebody's licking the window in the corner. Someone is licking the window. Um, Classic. So anything else? Anything else that you think that is a... 
a little hack or, or things that people should consider. The FODMAP thing, definitely, I'm, you know, mm. I'm the perfect avatar for someone who doesn't bother to like play around with diet. Yeah. For me, it's very transactional. Mm-hmm. It's like, does it, does it do what I need it to yeah. do? And then I'm kind of, kind then of leaving it there. It, yeah. yeah. Whereas I am, I am slowly moving through as of your recommendation. I'm slowly moving through different food groups on the FODMAP scale and, and getting rid of them. Um, I'm looking forward to coming back and not having to be in a deficit anymore so yeah, that I can eat a little, bit, a little bit more kind of cleverly. Um, any other bits that you think? Um, in terms of protein, try and eat between one to two grams of protein per kilo of body weight, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more. I'd say that would be the recommendation for pretty much everybody. Yeah. Uh, protein, it's naturally satiating, so... A big chunk of protein will keep you full for quite a long time. So I tend to push your protein up a little bit more than some guidelines. Just so, and when you digest your protein, you increase your energy consumption anyway. So that thermal effect of food is via the protein. Uh, so increase your protein. That's a lot of the time fine. Don't go too far through the roof. Don't take that, what I've just said, and go, let's eat. 14 pounds of meat. Do the Atkins diet. Do the Atkins diet. It'd be nice to talk about fads for a while. We talk about fads? Yeah, like new, like fads of nutrition. Yeah, well, I mean, what are the big ones? Let's, let's try and list the big ones that we can think of. So what's, what, Let's go, what's, what's the worst or best fad you've ever done? Uh, oh, God. When I think about fad diet, so for a long time I was doing carb backloading. That's about, not bad. Okay. Maybe seven years ago. But I I hadn't read carb backloading. All that I'd done was anecdotally heard that what it was. So you just put your carbohydrates at the end? I put my carbohydrates at the end of the day. But like my carbohydrates, my typical day would be no carbs yeah. until training. Train it around about sort of 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah. Then have a 560-gram tub of um, Sherwood's chicken korma sauce with about 500 grams of chicken with about 300 grams of uncooked rice and then a birthday cake and a cake and like a but like a birthday it wasn't my birthday but i'd have a birthday cake and i'd be like yeah car backloading Mm. not convinced that that was when you look at it what you've done is a restricted window of eating yeah and say if you're eating with all that food there three thousand calories Mm -hmm. That could be exactly the same as having a slice of cake <laughs> throughout the day. <laughs> throughout the day, splitting that meal up to two, three portions, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of the premise what I look at with um, uh, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. Yeah, that you could get the same effect just mm-hmm. by eating. So I've done small I've bits throughout the day. I've done that. I did carb night, which is a single night per week version of that. I did. Is that s- like the five two kind of approach? No. Uh, yes, yes, it is. It is the 5-2 approach. Um, so essentially carb night is carb backloading, but mm. then you intermittent it throughout days over the week rather than throughout, like within a right, day itself. Okay. So you'll have like three days off, one day on mm-hmm. of carb backloading. Then I did skip loading, which is... Uh, <laughs> fucking hell, man. Just I'm popular right brand of crisps. The, right into the fucking bro science here. So skip loading was... Um, built for people that were doing bodybuilding comp prep. Mm. So you'd go like essentially no carb, uh, go keto through the week. And then you're on a Sunday, you would eat as many carbohydrates with nothing else. So like nothing. a refeed. 
Yes, but with no just protein, carbohydrates, just biscuit. carbs, and the the. So you'd have no protein that day at all. Not well. It was just as a byproduct. Like it was aim. So it'd be in your broccoli. Yeah, aim the maximum. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have any. Broccoli. You wouldn't have any broccoli either. Yeah, in your right. Um, and it was like the main thing that was advocated was you need to start your day by trying to get through a box of kids cereal because kids cereal will be low in fat. What would be the one? Like probably Frosties or Honey Nut Cheerios. They're pretty, they're big ones. Honey nut, you can't have the nut, can you? No, no. I'm oh, right. look at it slipping well, up. If it's, if it's peanut, I'm all right. Yeah, but if exactly. it's fucking cashews. Um, so I did that, like, so skip loading, that was mental because I used to live next to a Waitrose in mm-hmm. Jesmond and the Waitrose, I, we always knew that at 3 p.m., it closed at 4, at 3 p.m. Are you getting your markdowns? All of the um, bakery goods would be mm-hmm. nine pence. Oh. So like, just go in, spend like four quid, and mm. come out with bags of yum yums yeah. and caramel donuts, and yeah. I just sit there and just like go as hard as I could. That Incredible was retarded. Seats. Like I was asleep by five p.m. every oh, Sunday. Oh, I was just crashing hard, just in a coma. Yeah, I was. How it did was... you find that? And like, what was your anecdotal evidence of that? Or well, it's what just... results did you see? Or so for me, the the worst thing about it was or the, the worst thing about a lot of these diets are that they aren't sustainable because you have this really harsh um, yeah. sacrifice reward mentality um, and it's fair enough that that's programmed in let's say you're doing carb backloading one of the things I actually did quite like about carb backloading was it it teaches you to have a sacrifice reward mentality so you're yes. like right okay I'm going to go carb free for the majority of the day then I'm going to reward myself with carbs on an evening mm-hmm. the time that most people cheat is on an evening Yes, which meant actually in terms of how it programs into your day and into your mindset. It wasn't that stupid. Mm. It just didn't have tremendously good effects. Yes. Um, the skip loading was the same. Uh, sorry, carb night was the same, but turned up a little bit. Yeah. And then skip loading was the same, but turned up to once per week. Yeah. Um, like keto, I've tried loads of times, but I don't naturally Super eat a lot foggy. of fats. I, I don't perform tremendously well. I have exactly late nights. Like it's not for me. I, I always feel hungry as well. Like I just can't stop yeah. myself feeling hungry on keto. Yeah, yeah I'm the same. I know I've, I've tried to go not full keto, but when paleo was a thing, massive yep. thing in CrossFit. Yeah, I've obviously tried to do paleo, and I've always just found just an abundant lack of energy. <laughs> Later, I found that was because I was eating I mean, a, zero carbs, caloric, and an energy deficit. Oh, without a doubt, a but, mood deficit. But most of these fads are just looking at. A caloric deficit. It's, you know, for, for all the people don't want to overgeneralize things, mm. like a lot of these diets appear to work by the fact that if you take your total calorie expenditure across yeah. seven day period. Yeah. And just balance uh, Total it. calorie intake, sorry. Um, it's less than it would have been. Yeah. Um, the difference is, could you achieve the same degree of calorie deficit and or weight loss with consistency and eating a five percent deficit well, 10 well yeah deficit. and with just less and suffering yeah like because this the suffering is the thing that's the foremost like the mm. the results and all of that stuff are secondary yeah but the most visceral part of any diet is the way it makes you feel yeah like if your diet actually makes you feel ill mm. or tired or grumpy yeah. or you can't get an erection or you always short with your kids, you know, yeah. like all of these things are byproducts of particular kinds exactly. of diets. You're like, if that is what your diet is leading you to do, 
look you, elsewhere. You need to fucking do a different one. Yeah, for so sure. So that's why, certainly for me, the diet that I'm using at the moment is literally just calorie restricting. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's done through intermittent fasting, but the only reason, or the main reason I'm doing that is just because it's convenient. Mm. Like, if I don't need to eat or cook until... 1 p.m. Yeah. I can do so fucking much. There's a lot you can do in that time. Really crack it out. Like morning yeah. routines, rapid training. Yeah, it'll suffer. But for me, I'm like, I'm okay. Yeah, you can get through it. What about you? Have you done any silly diets? Um, not that many, to be honest. Because oh, you are a nutritionist. Yeah. So I've always kind of, apart from going paleo. Stuck to the evidence. Yeah, stuck to the evidence. Looked at the literature. But I have looked at the literature and tried to replicate it with me. So I've tried to... Use beets or beetroot for performance, right? And try and get that. Was it the nit- nitric oxide value of it? So it's a vasodilator. Dilator. Yeah. So you should have more blood flow. How and, did that work um, out for you? Everything was just red. Right. So I started to piss red. Okay. Bowels movements were completely red. Okay. Yeah. I didn't feel that good. I was eating about a kilo of beetroot a day. Eating it, yeah. yeah. Oh. So I'd liquidize it. I'd either eat beetroot, or cook beetroot, How roast did beetroot. You do this for? I tried to do it for a full open of CrossFit. Right. Obviously, naturally, I started it on the Friday of the first open announcement. Yeah. I thought this is going to be great for my performance. <laughs> Four weeks, <laughs> pure red <laughs> of just wee. red everywhere. I wasn't oh, feeling wow. good. Just that one, basically. I've tried tart cherry for recovery. Have you done the apple vinegar thing? Apple cider vinegar? Yeah, I've, I've tried it, but I've all I've got it wrong every time I've tried to reintroduce it. So instead of diet, you meant to dilute it, aren't you? The neck it. Um, I, the, always the first time I go back to it, I forget to do that. Mm. So I'll do like a like a decent cup and just <laughs> yeah. try and get through it as my throat's burning. Yeah, it's savage. It is savage, but there is anecdotal evidence of that. And if it does make you feel good, mm. persist with it. If you can get the placebo effect of a lot of these things, persist well, with pl- it. Placebo effect's the most reliable effect in all of pharmacology, sure. right? Like sure. if there, there was this awesome quote on a podcast I was listening to recently that said, if we could bottle the effect that the placebo effect have, we'd yeah. have a panacea that fixes mm. all ailments. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, yeah. So if you believe it hard enough. So what we really need mm. to do is just tell people Sell them anything. Yes. Make them believe it hard enough with a sufficiently convincing story. That, that's what marketing is. And then it is. will work. And that is what marketing is. And then you works. see a lot of that. Unfortunately, you see a lot of people trying to do that and try and market towards, towards their product, which is one, unsustainable. Mm. So it's severely clogged deficit. Or two, they can't fit into their lifestyle. So like the beauty about tracking macronutrients and trying to optimize micronutrients is that you can be a little bit flexible every now and then. Mm. You can stick to that FODMAP approach 8% of the time. Mm-hmm. 20% of the time, you can have a donut. You can have a treat with the kids. You can mm. have a treat with the family. You can go out for a family meal. As long as you're trying to balance that energy consumption for each day, mm. you're offsetting the training, and you're either eating to perform, you're eating to perform whilst in a deficit. Yep. So whilst we're doing that, we're trying to optimize that workout nutrition window. And we're on a winner. Like, I don't see another approach to nutrition which has such a long-term benefit as optimizing your micros and macros at the same time. It's very robust. It's very robust. People obviously take it to the next level with if it fits your macros approach, which is just anything and everything goes. Is 
if it fits your macros, is that not the essentially the same as what you're saying, but mm. the discounting of the micro? Yes. Basically, yeah. And you might eat a little bit too much sugar. You might have a lot of inflammation through food. Your food might not agree with you all the time. But if you look at it from a simplistic point of view, and yeah, every now and then you can do if it fits your macros. And that's fine. Like that will balance your energy on that day. We've just got to offset that day. Mm-hmm. Look at optimizing the micros for the rest of the week. And we can get there. We can get there with your goals. I think it's it's especially so weird. In deficit. It's so weird, especially having had this conversation with yourself today and uh, and speaking to you in the build-up to this over the last few weeks. It is so bizarre that there are so many different routes mm. to so many different approaches that appear to have gained speed with regards to successful diets. Yeah. Like, if you were to look at what we've spoken about today, which is that if you use your performance and the way that your mood and that you feel is as a litmus test for how effective the foods that you're eating are, mm-hmm. if you take foods which are across the board well-researched as often causing some form of discomfort, whether that be inflammation or an intolerance or whatever yes. it is, that's the FODMAP thing that we spoke about, and then if you eat based on the um, the micronutrient requirements, the like year three in school, you should eat five pieces of fruit and veg a day, and yeah. you should have a colourful. You should eat f- uh, meals that have got two or three or more colours yeah. in. You're like, I think the problem with it is that it's the least sexy. Oh, it's definitely it's so not unsexy. Desirable. Like trying to say that. Filio, Milio, Saccharalis, all that stuff. Like that's not... The stuff that's proven by science is often not sexy. It's not glorious. Mm. You don't look at some amazing pharmaceutical companies and go, yeah, check those out. Exactly. Look at that that lovely new uh, vaccination that we've got there for like... But if there's there's a pill that works a little bit, but also gets you high at the same time, Mm. people will go straight to that. Yeah, I agree. But it's not going to work long term. Yeah, I think certainly for me, the and this is coming from someone who's played around with, and the same as you, like mm-hmm. anyone who's been in the industry of fitness for a while has fucked around with diet and yeah. just seen what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And the best diet for me it appears to be the one that I can stick to the longest. Yes. Like if it's something that's sustainable. And for some people, they may actually have their window of sacrifice and reward may work over a day-long period Mm. or even a couple of day-long period where you could go, right, okay, low, low, high, low, low, high. That Mm -hmm. might be their routine or whatever it is. And they're like, if that's you, then sweet. But for me, I would much sooner wake up and know that if it's a training day, I'm eating a bit more. If it's Mm. a rest day, I'm eating a bit less. And like, I'm going to follow a robust and varied diet. Yeah. We have four approaches to that. We've got like a high day if you're doing exhaustive training. We've got a moderate day, which is your typical training day. We've got a recovery day, which might be a hike, might be some mobility, it might be a walk, it might be a cruise on the assault bike. Then we've got a low day, which is complete rest. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're just looking at your training, taking everything into account. We're just basically balancing the energy. Every day has the same effect towards your goals in terms of the energy value which you're consuming. It's either going to affect performance in the long term or it's going to be a slight clog deficit. And that's the approach. That's that, as simple as it yeah, is. Yeah, it's as simple as it is. And um, that's 
there was a recent journal I saw that um, backed up that's basically what you should do, which is great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank it you. wasn't sponsored by We Dominate it was Nutrition, not was not sponsored. That's a shame. Probably a Coca-Cola one, though. It, probably, a lot of those, it was probably Big Pharma, wasn't it? Yeah. CIA division of Big That's Pharma. The dangerous <laughs> there. Uh, anyway, Tim, man, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Uh, I will make sure links to We Dominate Nutrition and Warrior Programming, plus everything else that we've spoken about, will be in the show notes below. If you liked it, check him out on Twitter and on Instagram. Are you on, Inst- are you on Twitter? No Twitter. Don't mate. exist on Twitter. We can't get him on Twitter. No Twitter. I might start one. I might start one and pretend to be... I think you should just do a fad approach. You should just post... What's great for performance is... Yeah, and just lie about it, keto. The lies of everything. Just everything can be yeah. keto. But yeah, at uh, We Dominate Nutrition. That's one. On Instagram. Get him. And yeah, like, share, you know what to do. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you later on. Goodbye. Peace out. Oh,